Good evening. Thank you for listening to the Shula Bowl podcast. As always, we are brought to you by Five Reason Sports. You can find the podcast on Twitter at the number Five Reason Sports. You can find the podcast account on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. This is typically where I'll say welcome back, but we are beginning a new season. So if you are just discovering us, thank you. The voice you're listening to is Eric Henry, FIU beat writer for Underdog Dynasty SB Nation. As always, I am joined by my uh, two amigos, the two guys who, if a uh, foxhole, if I'm in a foxhole, or if I'm in a bar in Fort Lauderdale, or more likely a better bar in Tampa, I want these oh, guys. In, I want these guys in my foxhole with me. The voice you just heard say, "Oh man, that is Shane Marinelli, our FAU insider from the FAU Owls." Nessie is chomping at the bit to, to have me shut up so he can respond. And the other guy not paying attention right now is Mr. David Hondell. He is our FIU super fan. What's going on, fellas? It's good. I will say though, um, even if we were in the foxhole together and we were under fire for any reason, I'd still look at you and go, all right, let me tell you why Greg Knox is not <laughs> in conference USA. <laughs> so, you know, we'll let that, uh, David watches Eric and I debate that three times a week. Um, and then, you know, this week it was new, uh, you know, uh, Fort Lauderdale, beautiful city on the Atlantic ocean, um, versus the, that I, I will call it, I don't know what to call Tampa on that warm, hot dirty bath water side of the the state um you know so it, it, we could save it a little bit for our tampa fort lauderdale debate which we could do a whole podcast on uh but at, you know at, like, at this rate at this rate fau may never play a game so we'll probably have to substitute in, that in the for, end south florida is good at sports people care about so uh, okay the same whoa oh david i'm sorry go ahead jump in before i just rip this guy go ahead david, go ahead, david. well i was just gonna say i'm doing fantastic but you guys continue <laughs> your conversation now <laughs> i'm just saying uh i saw the a lot same of guy the same the same shane Network. marinelli the same shane marinelli who sold me oh the the lightning are gonna get bounced oh the rays are overrated so on and so forth <laughs> the Bucks are, and now and now it's only about sports that people care about so yeah <laughs> <laughs> David, David, what's going on, my man? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, FIU is finally back this weekend, and I am absolutely terrified. But they're back, so I'm happy. And, yeah, that's that's my current state of mind. And the Dolphins play tonight, so I am excited for that. Yeah, well, and as you guys know, FAU, as in tradition this year, will start next week. FAU's uh, <laughs> had its... I think this is now, if you consider with Old Dominion game being canceled later, if you had their fifth game canceled so far this year. So, uh, you know, I, I'm down to three games, three possible home games this year I can enjoy. So if you guys do get a football game in, appreciate it, no matter what it looks like. If there's guys out there running around in the uniform, uh, just appreciate it. I know FAU fans would probably uh, would give up a lot just to watch the Owls. Uh, play this weekend I can tell you it's you know in the craziness of college football it, it hurts when it happens but I know last Saturday we were supposed to watch Georgia Southern and Troy and Middle Tennessee got put in FAU's time slot there was it hurt a little bit so uh, we'll watch another full week of college football um, and not be able to watch the Owls so it's a little tough 
All jokes aside, uh, Shane did touch on a good point there that this would have been a joint preview for FAU and FIU. You probably haven't heard our voices in a while because we recorded an entire FAU preview last week only to have that game canceled about 10 hours after we recorded that episode. So, uh, yeah, the Owls, it's really tough sledding. Shane, really quick, before we go to FIU, um, I think you did touch on Willie Taggart kind of showed some frustration in his presser about not being able to play again. Well, it, it was actually before. Uh, okay. It was actually okay. a couple hours before in his – I get uh, losing track of the days of the week. It was his Wednesday press conference or his Monday press conference before the game was canceled. Uh, FAU's whole team had tested positive twice. Uh, and this is maybe something, I, you know, kind of we talked about in our chat a little bit and on how college football's handled all this. That includes the guys that tested positive last week. But under current rules – if you are a player that gets the virus, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a mandatory 14-day quarantine. So what happens when you have player A, let's say on a Sunday, uh, test positive, doesn't play that week, um, they still, while after testing positive, still tests, gets multiple tests. What if the test after, you know, the test a couple of days later comes back negative and then the next test comes back negative and then another test comes back negative. We're into, you know, the next game week by now. Uh, FU's had some of those instances and you could tell, you know, Willie Taggart's like said to, I believe one of the media members, uh, Kobe Price of the um, Sun Sentinel said, he told him he's like, yeah, it's kind of head scratching. You have guys test pot negative two or three times and you still can't get them back out there. So, you know, we're seeing, I think, this weekend with some Houston and North Texas got canceled as well. I think we're up to like 21, 22. I'm not sure on the exact numbers. Games canceled since. I think it's 22, Shane. 22 games canceled since August uh, 26th. We're not even a month into this, and it seems like a, a quarter to a third of games. Something, something needs to be looked at on how things are done. And it, it just seems like every week is just let's just cross our fingers you know what shane we probably could do an entire podcast on the nuances of the testing situation and you bring up a really good point it's something that i understand the league's airing on the side of caution however you have a situation where uh players and teams are, are having a situation where players will test positive and they come back and whether it's a negative test or a result or not they can't come back and then play the game so that is something that we'll have to keep an eye on, and it's really affecting Florida Atlantic. Um, however, David, it is – we are what? Uh, less than 48 hours. We're about uh, 42 hours away. Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. The, yeah. I know FIU is, is heading for, for Lynchburg tomorrow. Uh, we, are, we are less than two days away from – pause up, baby. The FIU season is set to kick off. Before I get into, you know, some of the nuances and things I'm looking for, I just want to know from you as a fan's perspective, and then we'll let Shane kind of chime in as well. What are you looking forward to seeing from, from FIU? And I know Shane definitely has his uh, hot take. So, David, go ahead, take it away first, my man. All right. So, yeah, I, I know we'll talk about the, the depth chart, I'm assuming, later. But from what I'm looking to see from, you know, whoever ends up playing on Saturday is, one, the question everyone asks the run defense. That's that's the first thing that is hopefully was a focus in the offseason. Um, but that's going to be first and foremost. And second, I want to see, you know, who's going to win the QB job. And I know I, I 
said this earlier. I don't know if it was on the last episode that we ended up not not dropping, but I'm I'm once again I'm I'm going with the, my gut saying that it's going to be between uh, you know Wiggins and Max at first, kind of splitting reps like in 2018, and I want to see who ends up winning the job and see if our offense could you know really take off. I really think we I know we have so many skill players, and Liberty's going to be a good test for us. So I am I'm, I'm worried. But I'm also excited. It's like a mix, but you know, I'm hoping for the best for the Panthers on Saturday. One last uh, I wasn't. Go ahead, Shane. Oh, yep. Sorry. So I wasn't on. I listened to the, you know your guys' FIU preview show, and this year's wacky. I, I think a grain of salt should be taken, obviously, with everything. Uh, but I do believe that there's a lot more pressure on FIU this year to show su- some success. Uh, I, I over 500, whatever or games they play, maybe beat someone um, like an FAU or a Marshall this year to kind of show the next level. Because I, I, you guys can't be going around saying 30 to 24 for the next five years. Sure we can. Uh, but you can. <laughs> I'm positive that they will. But here's the thing. Everyone knows that guy that – and, I, you know, Eric and I, we always like to make the dating comparisons – uh, with sports, everyone knows that guy that uh, hooked up with a beautiful girl that one night. Met her at the bar the night she broke up with her boyfriend, right? And it was just great. Swung out of his league, but like no one wants to hear about that night. Like three years later, when he's still single, okay? Uh, you guys need to perform this year because Miami's playing well, and all that stuff about all last year will disappear quickly. If you go out there and have a poor season and Butch goes down 0-4 to FAU and a new coach, uh, and it starts this weekend. And, you know, and right now you guys are six-and-a-half-point underdogs. Yeah, well, I, where I do agree with you is that um, everything you said about, like, how Miami's playing well and how, you know, we can't obviously live off that one win. The one thing I will say is that I think the – I don't think that many teams – have as much pressure this year just because of the situation that's happening. It's almost like if you do bad, it's almost a pass here. Obviously I'm hoping that we don't, you know, have to use that pass, but um, I don't, I don't think there's like, there's like the necessity of like, Oh wow. If FIU doesn't win seven games this year, um, like fire everybody type energy, um, just because of what's what's going on. But Shane, I did want to ask you, do you think the 30 to 24 is going to become FIU's uh, 1.8 miles from the beach? Yeah, but w- <laughs> that uh, other than global warming, uh, that number can only get better for us. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but but again, that that's an off the field thing, right? I don't push the 1.9 miles from the beach thing. That's not my thing. Conference championships is FAU's thing, right? Recruiting at top of the conference is FAU's thing, okay? Putting up the best facilities in the conference is FAU's thing, okay? So, uh, you know, we kind of have that to go on. But, again, I and I think Eric could say this. You know, and it's unfortunate for FIU, and I've always said, you know, if FIU does well, it's good for the rivalry, that they had all this momentum, and there's that kind of the thing. They have not had a chance to play a home game since beating Miami, which, you know, if, like, if there's cancellations, like what's going on with FAU and stuff like that, it could end up being close to a year 
before you guys get a home game, um, you know, from, you know, from that game. So uh, I'm just saying the momentum could be lost, especially if you guys don't play well. So I think there's a lot of pressure to play well. I'll just jump in here really quick and say this. Uh, I do agree with Shane. I am someone who has felt as far back as the Arkansas state bowl game, that it was time to move on from 30, 24, because 30, 24 puts you at six and five. You could have finished that season at eight and five. Instead, you finished six and seven. Kind of kills some of the momentum of the Miami win. Not, not saying it takes away from any of the importance, David, but I'm sure you would agree with me from a fan's perspective that it takes away some of the momentum. And uh, Shane, really quick, I just want to ask you this, just so I, I know that you're being intellectually honest. Would you have said that heading into last year for FAU coming off of a, of a uh, losing season, that that year would have been more important for FAU than FIU, seeing as how the roles were kind of reversed? Yeah, definitely. Because they didn't want to see me. You don't want to be a fluke. Everyone's going, it's a fluke. Trust me. And right now, everyone's saying FU's program isn't going to be the same because they lost in lane. Like FU was only good under lane. Like they didn't go to a bowl game and win the Sun Belt under Schellenberger or, you know, go to the, uh, at the time, Division I AA title game or semifinal game their fourth year. So trust me, there's always that what have you done for me lately element in college football. That, I mean, that's, and there's long history of G5 teams beating Power 5 teams and not building off of it, right? You're, you're a UCF fan. How many people were talking about uh, your win over Baylor when you guys were um, win 0-12, right? No, that, that, yeah, that, that's, that's a – no, I completely agree with you. I mean, in terms of – well, here's the thing, Shane, and, you know, we'll kind of segue uh, away from it after this, but I'm sure you'll agree with this. In college football, there is not to say FAU is a fluke or UCF is a fluke or whatever, or FIU's win over Miami was a fluke, but there's the fluky element of it where when App State beats Michigan, you're not expecting them to go ahead and beat USC the next week. You know what I'm saying? No, and it's something definitely, those are, those are historic things you can always hang on to in your program, and that's why you always, you know, you watch college football year in and year out for the, that one moment that you might see once every five, ten you know, 20 years. It's why you become a lifelong fan. But yeah, I, I, I would just, where is the program at? And obviously this year is different. If FIU struggles with their quarterback situation this year, the defense still struggles at the end of whatever 2020 is, what's the narrative there? You know, th- this seems like more like a preview argument, but I'm just being little devil's advocate to, uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't think you're being devil's advocate. I think those are all fair questions. I'm gonna uh, kind of you know throw some things off the top, and I'll get David's perspective on this. I do think that you have to ask yourself, coming off a of six and seven, and more importantly, trying to replace all of the players that you're trying to replace. If this season ends up being somewhat of a disappointment, and the season hasn't started, so we don't want to go into it being pessimistic, but the issues that David raised are legitimate issues. The run defense, I've talked about it in numerous articles. Since 2018, FAU has given – FAU. Why the hell do I do that every freaking podcast? FIU has given up – Do we over- charge them a dollar or something like that? Yeah. want to get a fine system Yeah, we need the, the or- yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's just big yeah. Levertard fans. We need, we need that. Like, seriously. Um, FIU has given up – 
over 150 yards rushing 16 times in the over the past two seasons since the start of the 2018 season. The quarterback situation is what it is. You got three guys, Stone Norton, Max Bortenschlager, and Kalen Wiggins. David, just to give you a little bit of an idea of where I'm kind of heading here, it's something that's interesting. I'm not saying it's it's something you can take to the bank. However, we will talk about the depth chart. If you look at it, Max Bortenschlager is listed as the holder. Shane, what do starting quarterbacks typically not do? Hold. Mm-hmm. There you go. So I, I, I will only just take that for what it is. I'm not saying that that is uh, an inkling, you know, as to what may be, but just take that for what it is, David. You do typically, and, and for those of you listening, you typically do not have your starting quarterback hold. You don't want to risk any sort of injury to, to him on being the holder. So Max Bordenschlager. Or Tony Romo situation. It's <laughs> <laughs> the last I remember. I'm sure it's happened in the lower levels of college football somewhere where they're just, he was the best holder on the team, but. No, typically you do not. Right. So Max Bordenschlager does have holding experience. He did hold at Maryland, but he is listed as the starting holder and Tommy Heatherly is listed as the backup. You could easily have a situation where FAU, oh, God damn it. That's one. You just got it. That's a dollar. Wow. (laughs) You could easily have a situation. Two dollars. Hey, David, really quick. I want to apologize to our guy, Alex Shaw. I know he listens to this podcast and the, with his, his kids, and, I, and I, I apologize for my language. FIU, uh, the Tommy Heatherly is listed as the number two holder, and you could have a situation where FIU doesn't want to lose their punter because they are not particularly solid behind Tommy or Chase Gabriel either, but take that for what it is. David, when you saw the depth chart announcement, I believe I was the one who tweeted that out, you had a lot of notable names missing, starting with receiver Jeremiah Holeman, Left tackle Danny Demery, um, defensive end Chris, defensive end linebacker Chris Whitaker. There were quite a few guys. Um, no official word from FIU. I will credit where credit is due. Walter Villa from the Miami Herald did talk to uh, Butch Davis. I'm not sure exactly when. It may have been earlier this week, but in his article today, he had it listed as eight to ten players who are injured. Was not specified which players those are, but I did tweet out the depth chart yesterday, and they were missing a lot of no- a lot of notable names. David, your thoughts as a fan. Yeah, it wasn't uh, very encouraging. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> it didn't get me, you know, more confident in Saturday because, I mean, as you said, there's a lot of big names. I mean, losing your left tackle was also very rough, especially when you're probably going to have to start a redshirt freshman. Um, so, I mean, listen, it's it is what it is, I guess. Um, but I was really excited to see some of the new guys like J.J. Holloman. One of the names that I was shocked to not see also was uh, Christmas Giles from Texas. I mean, um, maybe what I don't, I don't think I saw him there, Eric, but maybe you correct me. Yeah. So it just, it's just worrisome. And in the fact that that's two guys on the line uh, on the defensive line is also worrisome when Liberty runs a lot of the RPO. And so they're run, they run a lot. And that's once again, always been our weakness. And when you're going to lose two starters on the line, that's not a good sign. So it's, you know, I'm hoping that <laughs> a lot of people, are, a lot of people really are hoping that it's like more smoke and mirrors at this point, but it's not looking like it is if there's eight to 10 guys who might be injured. So it's kind of just a waiting game at this point and hoping for the best, but it wasn't very encouraging. That's for sure. Yeah, David, you know, you're hundred percent correct in that regard. And we'll have to see what happens in terms of, you know, whether that is, whether that is, or, go ahead, Shane, go ahead, Shane. No, Fisher, I was going to say, just as people who cover teams, Eric, you can say the frustration. Also, especially with old school coaches, 
sometimes uh, depth charts are add way, obviously add more way more questions than answers, and that is done on purpose, right? And <laughs> I mean, we know coaches they like you know they they treat sometimes a depth chart like it's the nuclear codes and they can't get out right and they overthink this and they play games and eric yeah eric you could speak to that so i do want to add to that sorry to eric but butch Butch is kind of not known for this but he's done this multiple times that he he won't especially when now he hasn't he says that he's not going to announce who the starting quarterback is until you know pregame warm-ups We've seen this before in the bowl game when Morgan had been injured for two weeks and they didn't announce Christian Alexander until like the night before or the morning before or the morning of. I don't even remember, but it seems to be something that, that Butch does love to do. It's like almost a mind game thing. But yeah, I think Shane, you're right. It's just uh, the old school coaches, I guess. Here's what I'll say about that really quickly. And David, to piggyback off your point, and for those of our, uh, those of, uh, our listeners, <clears throat> sorry about that. Uh, yes, it, it is something that is done. Shane is a thousand percent correct. Sometimes they can treat the, the death chart like it is, you know, the, the, uh, the cure for some disease that's unknown yet. However, David, it's one thing to not list the starting quarterback, right? It's one, it, it, that's one thing. To just wipe six guys off who you probably are going to see, is it gamesmanship? I mean, listen, personally, I don't, it makes my job a little bit harder, but like, that's my job. I don't care. I, I just think <laughs> uh, I, I'm not trying to be critical because we don't know the situation. It, we could get there Saturday and they could legitimately be out. But to wipe that many guys off the death chart is yeah. for, for all of our listeners. Like it's one thing to not list the quarterback, but to not list that many guys is somewhat uncommon. Yeah, so if we move off of depth chart talk, one thing that David did mention is the RPO, and we want to give our FIU fans a little bit of preview of Liberty. David did mention that uh, head coach Hugh Freeze of the uh, Liberty Flames, very heavily based offense in the RPO. He was the former head coach at Ole Miss in his five seasons at Ole Miss. The quarterback of the Rebels was one of the top three leading rushers in four out of those five years. So even though uh, a Miami native, Carroll City guy and Buckshot Calvert did run that offense last year to success, uh, you know, very much a traditional pocket passer what you are seeing with go ahead Shane for those that don't know Buckshot Calvert is a legend of the South Florida seven on seven circles a (laughs) legend there is a picture and I'm just laughing there's a picture of him on a Trans Am with a mullet going to prom and just very different than what you'd expect um someone uh that goes to Carroll City would do but the kid was a local legend down here I just had to throw that in no, not a problem. Without a doubt, yeah. <laughs> the, the offense of uh, the offense looked very different under Buckshot Calvert, someone who was going to be more of a traditional pocket passer. Malik Willis, he is a former Auburn transfer, and if you saw him against what was supposed to be one of the top defenses in Conference USA in Western Kentucky, ran for three touchdowns and 168 yards, and that is something that if you are an FIU fan, it could be somewhat reminiscent of Tulane last year in the season opener. Tulane quarterback Justin McMillan ran for not even 100 yards but the fact that he kept his uh excuse me he kept plays alive with his legs and was able to use his legs to scramble and I believe he ran for two touchdowns that game as well willis is a better athlete than mcmillan so take that for what it is uh shane really quick i got some thoughts on what david is looking for from fiu and i know you talked about kind of the overall expectations but just in this game itself are there any positions as an fau fan that you're curious of to see how they look given some of the change in the offseason the old line uh, yeah, the O-line is definite, you know, I'm just going to go based on, 
you know, what I kind what I'm worried about with FAU and just them having a young front seven, obviously when uh, it's, we're a little wait, few weeks off uh, from playing FIU, which at that point could probably be FAU's first game, uh, you know, season opener in late October versus FIU. Uh, but yeah, so I'm looking how that O-line plays because if the O-line plays well, FIU has the skill position uh, to compete in Conference USA. In Conference USA East, I think outside of Marshall is just straight up, or a whole conference straight up for grabs this year. So if they show some uh, strength on the O-line where they can run the ball and get it out and let you know Wiggins kind of run and do his thing and you know be a little bit more than a game manager, they're, they're going to be a good football team. Yeah, just to add that before we, you know, wrap this up, we, we've kind of been talking, touching on a lot of the negatives, but, you know, as Shane just said, you know, we have a lot of skill at the skill positions. I mean, I, it's something that, you know, hopefully we can take advantage of on Saturday and, and, and prove us all wrong, I hope. I <laughs> prove all our, all our doubts wrong, but I'm still at the end of the day super excited for Saturday. And uh, let's go Panthers. Pause up, man. Football's back. <laughs> and I will go ahead and piggyback off of that, you know, not to uh, hope that the theme of this podcast didn't sound too pessimistic because I personally, in my season preview of FIU, I think Jeremiah Holloman is the best player to walk through FIU Hall, FIU's Hall since T.Y. Hilton. He is that dynamic. I think he will be a leader for Conference USA Newcomer of the Year and has a chance to be one of the most dynamic players on the field in Conference USA. So there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. Just in this game, we'll see how things play out. We'll see who suits up, who doesn't suit up. But I think overall, if you're an FIU fan, there's reason to be optimistic about this season specifically because we don't know, as Shane's kind of touched on, Conference USA is such a crapshoot this year. You got quarterbacks getting hurt left and right. You got the favorite, Western Kentucky, your favorite. <laughs> they just had their best receiver transfer. I mean, they look terrible. There you go. So you just hit the nail on the head there. So if you're an FIU fan, don't go into the season thinking that, oh, all is lost because you lost so many players from last year. Conference USA is truly a crapshoot. So with that, we will do our recap episode sometime Sunday. I am making the trip to Lynchburg. If any FIU fans are going to be in Lynchburg, which I highly doubt people want to leave Dade County to go to Lynchburg, but I digress. If you're there, find me. Uh, I will come by and say hi before I do the pregame show and all my other uh, work responsibilities. As always, you can find this podcast on Five Reason Sports on Twitter and FiveReasonSports.com. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane. You can find David on Twitter at Mr. Handel321. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. That makes up for all the FAU snafus. There we go. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. It's only taken me a year to learn David's Twitter. Happy football watching, everybody. Keep your paws up and keep those owls like guys hanging there. Football's coming eventually. <laughs>